When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on College Baseball Selection Monday. It has been a great day for Mississippi State. Absolutely wonderful. We're going to spend a lot of time today breaking down Mississippi State's regional. We're going to talk about the NCAA bracket. We're going to do a great top ten list from one of my favorite bands, and uh, it's just going to be a great show. How about that? I'll begin with this. Mississippi State fans have absolutely nothing to complain about today. I'll be honest with you, I expected to get like an ACC team as a number two, perhaps even Duke. Uh, Duke heads to Tennessee, which uh, probably Tony Vitello has probably got a little bit of a uh, complaint about. But listen, let's be honest. I mean, anybody in the ACC is probably not better than even the middle of the pack teams in the Southeastern Conference. But uh, Mississippi State had a great draw. Mississippi State, of course, hosting, as we all expected. Mississippi State, a top eight national seed, as most of us expected. I want to get into that just a little bit. One of the things that I want to share with you guys, too, is, and you've heard me say it on the show before, there are a lot of people that love college baseball that don't know college baseball. The conference tournaments do not have nearly as much bearing on an at-large bid as some people would lead you to believe. Now, there are some teams that get hot late and maybe play their way in. But by and large, the committee is going to look at the full body of work, the full 50-some-odd game schedule, rather than a weekend. A weekend should never erase what's happened in a season. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Mississippi State goes to Hoover and has an abysmal showing. We absolutely got raked over there. That's raked with a K. They hit everybody we threw out there. We didn't swing the bats well. We didn't play good defense. We didn't play well. And maybe it's because we felt like we had it in the bag. And we did. But we did not go play Mississippi State baseball. You guys have heard me say it on the show. Completely embarrassed by that performance. But that does not erase the fact that Mississippi State won 40 regular season games, 20 SEC games tied for second in the top RPI baseball conference in America fell just two games behind the number one national seed Arkansas but some of our fans and I I say this as politely as I can I mean some with some of our fans who needs Ole Miss people I mean if we're going to constantly beat down our own team We don't need them. I mean, they're already doing that job, so why would we join them? Oh, we don't deserve it. No, we do deserve it. We absolutely deserve it. And if you look at the resume of all the teams in the field, it makes perfect sense Mississippi State would be the number seven seed. Some people suggested State would get in by the skin of their teeth. A lot of angst a couple days ago when D1 baseball dropped us to a nine seed. People began to ask me on Twitter about it, and I said, I said then, Mississippi State – Is not out of the top eight. I don't believe State's out of the top eight. I think it's important to look at things in their totality and take the emotion out of it. As the kids like to say, facts over feelings. I'm going to give you a little tidbit 
I wrote an article yesterday over on jeanspage.com, made it free, trying to beat back some of the naysayer, you know, commentary. I mean, there were so many people out there that had so much to say, and uh, there, it wasn't a lot of facts involved in, in their discussion. It wasn't rooted in fact. It was just rooted in frustration, and I get it. But basically, the last two top eight national seeds boiled down to four teams. And no, Ole Miss was not one of them. They were never in the discussion. No matter what their people have tried to say, oh, we're going to take your national seed. No, you're not. Because here's the deal. When you lose half of your conference weekends, you are not going to be a top eight national seed. I don't care who you are, where you're from. Do they deserve to host a regional? They absolutely do. Were they ever really seriously in the discussion to be a top eight? No, they were not. So I want to get into this here because I believe the last two spots boiled down to four teams. And what's proven to be correct today, the seven and eight, nine and ten seeds were the two, the, the four programs that were still in contention. That's Mississippi State, Notre Dame, uh, Texas Tech, and Stanford. And so I wrote the article yesterday to kind of break some things down. And it's so interesting, too. There were so many people that said, well, Arizona is a lock. Pac-12 regular season champions, they're a lock. Okay? So let's look at Mississippi State's resume side-by-side with Arizona. Arizona 8 in the RPI, State 7. Arizona 24th in strength of schedule, State 15th. Exactly identical overall records of 40 and 15. Arizona 21 and 9 in conference, State 20 and 10. So if Arizona's a lock, why would Mississippi State have been a lock? Right? So, you know, again, let's take our emotions out of this and just look at the numbers. A lot of people talk about TCU being a lock. You know, you look at the, the resume between State and TCU, it just begins to make you wonder. You know, basically the difference between those two games, the two teams, is the fact that TCU beat Mississippi State in Arlington beginning of the year. But they were the, ended up being four in the RPI. So if they were a lock, why wouldn't Mississippi State have been a lock? So let's took at the, look at these final four teams that were in contention. Mississippi State, Notre Dame, Stanford, Texas Tech. Every measurable favors Mississippi State. Every measurable. And some say, well, you got Q1 wins, Q2. Listen, all that factors into the RPI. So rather than having to break all that down, you just take the RPI. And it's pretty obvious that the committee really leaned on the RPI. And that's the, that's the best barometer we have. And many people don't understand what the RPI is comprised of. It is 25% your wins. It is 50% your opponent's wins. And then 25% of your opponent's opponent's wins. And so that's really the only way to be fair about it. And, and the way that it works is, you know, when you have all the non-conference and you have all these other things that kind of factor in together, teams that play a cross-section of opponents have a better opportunity to move up in the RPI. So here are the four teams, you know, side-by-side resumes. In the RPI, State 7, Texas Tech 9, Notre Dame 11, Stanford 14. Strength of schedule, Texas Tech 14, Mississippi State 15, and of course State beat Texas Tech head-to-head. Stanford 34, Notre Dame 36. Overall record, State 40-15, Texas Tech 36-15, 
Stanford 33-14, Notre Dame 13-11. And so in the end, you see, you look at that and say, wow, man, State's in a good, shot, good spot all the way around. You're exactly right. So State ends up being the seven seed, Texas Tech the eight, Stanford the nine, Notre Dame the ten. And it's not magic, it's math. You just go look at the numbers. This is what these teams did over the course of a season. But, Steve, what about Hoover? Forget that. That's all part of the equation. It's about the full body of work. It's not about one week or one weekend, nor should it be. Because let me give you a good example. Let's say that we're playing a, uh, you know, a football game and we're down 56 nothing after three quarters, and we go out there and score a couple touchdowns in the fourth, and we do, do we win the ball game? No. We may win the quarter, but there are four quarters in a ball game, just like there is a conference tournament as part of your season. The NCAA selection committee did not and should never place a lot of emphasis on the conference tournament. Anybody can have a good weekend. And not to mention, like in, especially in the SEC, it's a little different. You know, like when you look at the Big South and the SOCON, everybody is playing for that automatic berth because you just, you just rarely ever get an at-large bid if you're in one of those mid-major conferences. So when you go to the SEC tournament, it's, it's much different. You've got a handful of teams that uh, are playing for a national seed and, you know, the hay's already in the barn. You've got some other teams out there that are playing hoping to host a regional. And this year, more so than any other, the hay was in the barn. Then you've got other teams trying to play to get into the field. So not everybody is similarly motivated. And we went over there and played like a team that was unmotivated, like we had it all wrapped up. And it didn't cost us, thankfully. But again, it's not about having friends in high places. It's not about being from the SEC. It's about having a better resume. And so when you began to do the math... And listen, I understand that D1 Baseball and Baseball America both had us as eight paired with Stanford. I said last night, State should be to seven, and I don't believe that they will pair us up with Stanford. Why would they make Stanford make that trip two years in a row? They they wouldn't do that. wouldn't be fair. And so, lo and behold, Mississippi State gets a peach of a regional, and then we're paired up with Notre Dame, who I believe – I had the flimsiest resume of everybody in the discussion to be a national seed, and I am very, very grateful that the committee elected not to award Notre Dame a a national seed after their avoidance of non-conference play. They played four non-conference games. And so I looked it up yesterday. The majority of the teams in the ACC played over a dozen. Florida State, Clemson, all those teams played 13-14 non-conference games so it wasn't an ACC rule where Notre Dame was kind of being held back Notre Dame simply just didn't want to go play those games and so they didn't and it cost them and it should have and now they're going to have to come down here if they if they survive the regional and come play at Mississippi State assuming that we survive the regional no guarantees at this point you know we've been in this position before I also read another article last night on Gene's page since they began the super regional format in 1999 Mississippi State has only hosted five regionals. It kind of blows your mind when you look at it and say, really, it's just five? Yeah, right. We've only hosted five regionals since we went to the two-tier format. Once we got away from the six-team regional, it's a completely different deal. Only five. We're four and one 
in those regionals. The one exception, the 2003, where we, we threw Paul Mahalam against Middle Tennessee State, and then uh, North Carolina came in here and got us. We worked our way out of the loser's bracket, and Jonathan Palbebaum blew a save in a, uh elimination game against North Carolina, so we didn't force the winner-take-all thing. But the other four regionals, we've won them, and we should win this one. It's up to us. We had a chance to speak with Tanner Allen, Chris Simonis, Christian McLeod moments ago. Everybody's fired up and ready to go. And you can tell there is some relief. There is some relief. And it's like, you know what, all that's behind us now. We don't have to worry about what anybody says or opinions, and we don't have to worry about tournaments. We get to go play in the tournament now. We get to go host a regional. And if, as long as we continue to win, the next road game is Omaha. So hopefully we'll have two great weekends of baseball here in Starkville at Duty Noble Field. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted at times about, you know, Mississippi State finishes second in the SEC. Second. The grind of a 30-game SEC schedule is much, much different than a week in Hoover. Everybody's trying to win their weekend series. Not everybody's trying to win at Hoover. You know, people can say what they want to, but the bottom line is, is, you know, you want to win your weekend series. And then these Ole Miss people are like, well, they didn't do us any favors. You weren't entitled to any. Why would, why would you have any favors? What have you done to suggest that you should get preferential treatment? You absolutely shouldn't. You didn't even have – you had five losing weekends in the SEC. And listen, I give Ole Miss a lot of credit. You know, down the stretch, it played really good baseball. You win a series against Vanderbilt. You go on the road. You beat Georgia. And then you have a nice run in the SEC tournament. They're hot, man. There's no doubt about it. But that doesn't erase the fact – you know, you lose a series at A&M. You lose a series to LSU. You lose at Mississippi State. You know, that stuff just didn't go away because you get hot over a week. This didn't work that way. Again, do they deserve to host a regional? Absolutely, they do. Not even in the discussion about a super regional. And it's like, it's so funny to me. I, I get, listen, I, I don't just say this because I've got some investment in this. I cover college baseball extensively. I don't care so much about the recruiting aspect of it. Even sometimes I go to that stuff and you get to know the kids. But, you know, the kids commit eighth, ninth grade. I mean, so it's like, it's going to be three or four years before you even see them. So I don't invest a lot of time in that. But when the Bulldogs are playing, I'm there. I take a lot of pride in that. And it's amazing to me there are some people who do not cover college baseball. They'll watch it on TV. They'll get on their message boards and they'll talk about it. But they don't know college baseball. They just don't. And then they'll say, well, here's what I'm hearing. You know, who could you possibly know? I mean, who has your number? Who would take your call? What type of credibility do you have that you can call somebody in the college baseball industry and say, hey, here's what I'm hearing. Let's compare notes a little bit. And so I take a lot of pride in that. I I take a lot of pride in the fact that I was right about Mississippi State being the number seven seed. I take a lot of pride in telling you we weren't going to be paired up with Stanford when everybody in the industry was telling you something different. And so if this is the I told you so, then so be it. There's a lot of people out there that, uh, that cover their team, and then when there's something to know, they don't know anything. Kind of like an NCAA investigation here a few years ago. It's amazing. Everybody wants to do journalism work until there's journalism to be done. But again, you know, how, do you, how do you pick up the phone and call anybody and say, hey, man, it's so-and-so, it's me, 
but they want to get on their message boards and say, well, here's what I'm hearing. You know, what, what you're hearing and what my dog is barking is about the same. It means the same. It's like listening to Charlie Brown's parents. You don't know anything. You're just talking to make noise. And so I laugh today. And when I, once I get done with this, and I've got an article to write about Christian McLeod a little bit later today, I'm going to enjoy going and perusing the message boards to see, see all these experts. And that's Dr. Evil quotes, experts. Try to explain the way out of the fact that they're completely ignorant about what's going on with their college baseball team. Completely ignorant. I'm going to get fired up here in a minute. If you're fired up, maybe go enjoy some fine cuisine at Bulldog Burger Company. Going to have the grand opening at the Ridgewind location here on the 2nd. I believe that is correct. Let me double check that notes. I'm glad I checked that because I was wrong. It's tomorrow. It's the 1st. Tuesday, June 1st, grand opening, 4 p.m., 4 p.m. Be opening for dinner only the first week. Allow them to kind of work the kinks out a little bit. And then they will uh, be open starting Monday, June 7th for lunch and dinner. There you go. How about that? So it's here. I mean, the reality is here. Bulldog Burger Company has come to central Mississippi. It's exciting times, man. So tomorrow, 4 p.m., and they're open only for dinner the first week, and then lunch and dinner kind of moving forward. Also, two great locations right here in the Golden Triangle, right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. I'm excited for you guys, though, in central Mississippi. I am. I've, I've had so many of my relatives that say, you know, listen, I listen to the show, and a lot of times I can't get to Starkville unless it's on a game day, and sometimes it's just kind of busy and I can't get there early enough. And so they're excited about having an opportunity to, you know, maybe on a random Tuesday – they can ride over there to Lake Harbor Drive and go enjoy those spring rolls and go find your own favorites, man. Bulldog Burger Company is a great place to work. It is a great place to eat. Matter of fact, I ran into my cousin Dan. It just so happens he was at his own wedding. You know, funny seeing him there. And uh, he joked a little bit about the comment. All his friends were kind of giving him some trouble about it. He put on about 15 pounds when he worked at Bulldog Burger Company. And he said again he got how much fun he had working at Bulldog Burger Company. So if you're looking for work, Reach out to Bulldog Burger Company. You can find them on the the eatwithus.com website. Go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's break down this regional, babies. The first thing I'll tell you, I was absolutely shocked that we did not get a Power 5 number 2. I'd heard this morning it might be UCLA, and we'd heard Georgia Tech was a possibility. And, you know, you, you never know until it's final. But I really thought we would get a Power 5 number 2. We don't. It's incredible. So let's break down Mississippi State's first opponent in the regional, Samford. Now, we should be somewhat familiar with them. We played them routinely in non-conference, including uh, this year. Had a chance to play those guys. And listen, this is you know they, these guys won the SoCon tournaments. So they're hot. They've won four games in a row. So this isn't going to be a situation where we just – you can kind of show up and go through the motions. This isn't going to be a Tuesday night conference where everybody throws you know, their midweek guys. We're going to see their best pitcher, there's no doubt. Uh, they begin the year, pretty good stretch there. They, uh, they sweep UT Martin, and you guys may be familiar with UT Martin. Uh, they won a big ball game at Ole Miss here late in the year. But uh, they sweep that series. Then they drop a midweek game to Alabama State. They go on the road and get swept by Florida. No shame in that. And uh, most of those games weren't competitive, but they found a way the Sunday game to kind of stay close. Ends up being a 10-9 game, so they're not going to be intimidated by SEC competition. 
They beat Jacksonville State. They take two out of three from Toledo. Win a midweek game against Troy, and they lose to Alabama State again. Maybe we should call Alabama State for our scouting report. Clearly, those guys know what's going on. That's kind of random, to be honest with you. You can understand I'm splitting. Maybe they lose two. Then uh, Samford goes to Texas A&M, and they lose the whole series. A couple of those ball games really got lopsided, 10-1, 21-4. And again, on Sunday, they come back and make it competitive. Again, they're not going to be the least bit intimidated by playing an SEC team. They played us the week after the trip to College Station. We win that game 10-2. UNC Greensboro, they go and sweep that series from them. They beat UAB at UAB 5-1 in 10 innings. East Tennessee State, that's a two-out-of-three two game winner for them. They win a midweek game against Jacksonville State, somebody that we know pretty well. They take all three from VMI. That's in the SOCON. And then, of course, they beat Troy again in the midweek game. You guys are familiar with the Citadel. We played them. So they sweep those guys three games. Even had one of them as a 14-1 ball game. So Sanford's a team that can kind of swing the bats a little bit. They go and lose a laugher at Tuscaloosa 19-3. So that's four SEC teams they played. They take two out of three from Western Carolina. Then they go and lose at Auburn. You kind of see what I'm getting at here about this SEC play? What's it, five teams now, four from the West? Alabama, Auburn State, A&M, and then they play Florida. These guys clearly scheduled up. And it's one of those things, too, if you're a G5 school like that, you need to do that. I mean, if you want to have any shot at an at-large bid, you need to go play the best competition. But also, too, it just gets you battle-tested for your league. They lose two out of three at home to Mercer. Then they win at Wofford. They, uh, pardon me. They lose two out of three at Wofford up there in Spartanburg. And then uh, they play VMI again. They sweep that series. And then they beat Auburn. You see? Started getting better as the year went on. All of a sudden, they find a way to beat Auburn. 6-1. What even close? They take two out of three from UNC Greensboro. They beat UAB again. In the second round of uh, things with East Tennessee State, they lose two out of three. And then they get into the SOCON tournament. They take down Mercer. They destroy Western Carolina and then take them down again to, uh, to win the tournament there. So that's Samford. Those are your guys. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Mississippi State does pitching-wise. We will preview that a little bit later in the week. Uh, Chris Lamonis didn't say much about that today, nor did we really press him on it. I think it's really going to be about kind of getting in and scouting and seeing, you know, what things look like. And, of course, you know, we've got friends around the league, obviously, that will have some some scouting reports they can share with us. But um, I do think State probably throws off. And you say, oh, Steve, I don't know. Yeah, I just – maybe I'm completely wrong here, but I I think maybe – in the one versus four, I think, you know, maybe you throw Kate Smith. Maybe you throw Houston Harding. I would say probably Houston Harding. But you go you go that direction, and then you save McLeod and Bednar, and then, you know, you get McLeod in the winner's bracket game and hopefully Bednar throwing in a regional final. And hopefully that's as simple as it can be. That's the hope anyway. That's The hope is, is we can go out there and handle business in three games. We don't really want to have to go through the loser's bracket in our own regional especially with, uh, with what we have available to us. And so let's look at the two seed here, the Campbell Camels. How about that? The Campbell Camels. 
What's interesting, too, is no matter who we play, like no matter who we play in game two, it's going to be our first ever meeting. We've never played Campbell. We've never played Virginia Commonwealth in baseball. I thought we had played VCU. I'll check the media guide. Uh, we haven't. So let's run down Campbell here pretty quick. And, and these guys win the regular season <clears throat> Big South championship. And so these are guys that are used to winning. It's a veteran team. They open up the year with a series uh, against Liberty. Really kind of a feast and famine weekend, but they take two out of three. Uh, they take two out of three from Dayton. Interesting. They play NC State in the midweek and get beat 14-6. They take uh, two out of three from Gardner-Webb. They beat College of Charleston in the midweek. They get UC Upstate on the weekend. They take two of three there. They get UNC Asheville, and they, they lose two out of three on the road uh, against them. They're one win, 17-4 winner in game game two. They lose to High Point, North Carolina, in a midweek game. And then they have the uh, series with Winthrop. They sweep that one all four games. They get Charleston Southern at at, uh, their place. They take that two out of three. They get beat by Duke 14-7 in a midweek game. They go round-robin again, Gardner-Webb on the road there at Bowling Springs, North Carolina. They take two out of three there. They win an on-conference out of, excuse me, they win a midweek game against High Point, and then they blue hose a Presbyterian and gets two out of three against them up there in Clinton, South Carolina. UNC Asheville, they take two of three from them. They lose a midweek game to North Carolina 9-3. Take a sweep at Radford. They get Winthrop again in a midweek game. They win that game, and then they get UC Upstate again, and they sweep there in Spartanburg. None of those games really competitive. I guess the first one was, but the rest of them were blowouts. 6-5 winners on Friday and then shutouts on Saturday, Sunday. They get high point again later in the year, and they take all three. And so when you look at this schedule, there's not a lot of jumps out. They haven't played a lot of Power 5 competition. The, the, the speed of the game is much different for them. They lose the first game of the Big South Championship Tournament to Pres, Presbyterian, and then they come back and win the last two. Uh, UC Upstate, Gardner-Webb, to force a rematch with Prez, and then Presbyterian beats them. Presbyterian got hot late, and they're winners of that tournament, so they get the automatic bid there in the Big South Conference. So Campbell is an at-large out of a normally one-bid league. But these guys are used to winning. And so I'm not going to sit here and, and, and defend this and say, you know what, these guys are you know should come in here and really give us a hard time. They shouldn't, but they're capable. You know, they're capable of coming to here and playing well. This is a team that's very, very happy to be in the tournament and getting a chance to play at one of the great venues in all college sports. And so they're going to bring their best effort. There's no doubt about it. And as we get closer to the weekend, we'll, we'll preview these teams a little bit closer. I just want to kind of... Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. 
I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a you have a brief knowledge here about you know, who they are and what they're about. VCU, uh, winners of the Atlantic 10, they actually open the season on a terrible, terrible streak. They, uh, they lose their first four ball games. They finally win one, and then they lose the next one. So it's, you know, it's a one-in-five start. They get VMI in a couple of uh, midweek games. They, they win those. They beat Central Michigan, who is a tournament team, as you guys are well aware, uh, what's interesting, Central Michigan also played Notre Dame in a midweek game. They're going to be the number four in South Bend. So fire up chips. So Virginia Tech takes care of uh, a VCU in, in one game. They split a midweek series, and Tech at the time was ranked in the top 20. So it's a 10-9 win on Tuesday, and then they lose 10-7 on Wednesday. They take two out of three from Towson State on the weekend. They beat Old Dominion, a team that finished in the RPI top ten. So this is, again, it's a midweek game, but this is not a team that's going to be scared to play Mississippi State. They lose two to Liberty. They had one game that was rained out. They go back and lose to Old Dominion in another midweek game. Uh, they play William and Mary. They sweep all three of those. It looks like Bill and Mary were only two to play. They beat Elon in Elon, North Carolina. They play Liberty again, two games out there, and then they split those. They win at Georgetown. They, they lose three out of four at George Washington. Everybody has that bad weekend, right? Well, that's theirs. Crazy. They play Bill and Mary again. They beat them. And then they get Davidson. They sweep a four-game set with those guys. They beat Virginia. You know, Virginia caused some, some racket this past weekend in the ACC. So, again, that's another, you know, evidence that this is a team that's not going to be intimidated to come down here and play. It seems like they play VMI once a month, but uh, they beat them again 15-5. They take a four-game set from George Mason. They go back to Charlottesville again, and they beat them again. 
So they beat UVA twice. They sweep at St. Louis all four games. The Billikens, what's happened to you? They play James Madison in a couple of games uh, late, win both of those games, 2018-10-1. They get into the Atlantic 10 tournament, and they sweep through it, knocking off St. Joseph, Rhode Island, and Dayton. So they're going to play Campbell first. So, you know, I I just kind of want you guys to understand, a lot of people that see these names and are unfamiliar with these teams, and they think, oh, well, these are bad teams. Listen, all three of the teams coming to Mississippi State's regional won a championship. All three. Simple as that. And in case you guys have forgotten, it's here a couple years ago. Well, it's several years ago now. The years just go by. The longer I pay the mortgage, it seems like they go by quicker. You know, we had a Central Arkansas team coming here that took us to the brink. I remember when we got that draw, everybody was thinking, oh, man, we got it. Yeah, we won it. But it was far from easy. I guess that was back in 13, wasn't it? You know, UCA shells us. In, uh, in the elimination game to force a winner-take-all deal, and we win. Chad Gerardo and those guys do a great job kind of getting it all done. But, you know, there are no givens this time of year. I mean, the reason that we remember Tennessee Tech, when I mentioned the name, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those guys went up to Ole Miss and won a regional. And, you know, I think they led the nation in home runs at the time. You know, so they were a team that could swing it. And so just because there's a team that, uh, you know, maybe doesn't play a lot of Power 5 opponents, don't, don't think for one second these guys don't have some guys that can pitch it and swing it. Everybody's got an ace. Everybody's got an ace. Everybody's got a lead hitter. Leading hitter. Everybody. And so those guys are going to be working. This is a chance for them to, uh, to prove themselves. You know, everybody dreams of going to Omaha someday. But for schools like this, they're thinking, you know what, man, if we could go out there and beat a number one, we go out there and win a couple games in a regional, that's big. So they're not just coming to go eat ice cream. As great as the Muscadine Ripple is, they're not showing up for that. They're showing up to play baseball. Mississippi State will play 2 o'clock on Friday, and then I think 7 p.m. will be the Campbell uh, versus VCU game. Of course, we'll cover both. Eager to see regional baseball here at Mississippi State again. I get used to this stuff, man. I mean, as, as much as I love traveling, there's nothing better than having everybody all packed in like sardines, and it's going to be 100% capacity. It's going to be great. So if you can get tickets, please come out. Tickets go on sale Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. Many of you know how to kind of do that yourselves. You know, go, go through your dog tag and get all that stuff handled. But, uh, it, listen, we need huge crowds. And I understand that 2 o'clock on a Friday is not perfect for everybody. And you could say, well, Steve, I don't understand why we won't play later in the day. Well, here, let me tell you why. We're trying to, to win a regional. And so if we play the early game and there's weather, or there's extra innings or anything like that, that doesn't run into the day two for us. But it would for our opponents. And so you got to get it done. The sooner the better. I know that means we probably won't have the huge crowd on Friday that we will on Saturday. If at all possible, just take off work early and come on. People understand. You know, for many of you, you hadn't been able to come to many games this year, and this is perhaps a chance for you to do it and see a meaningful game. And it may not be some people you know, but that's okay too. Come on, cheer for the dogs. And my sincere hope, because things have been really contentious 
uh, among the Mississippi State fan base here the last week. And, and a lot of people said, you know, we, we, we lost in Hoover. We don't deserve it. Uh, and that's not true. But I understand the emotional reaction because it's embarrassing because then you got to put up with all your old mess friends at work and all that kind of stuff. And you, know, you got to listen to all these other people that say, see, I told you you weren't so good. But that's behind us now. So let's put our differences aside. Whether or not you feel we deserve a top eight national seed is now irrelevant. We have one. Whether or not you believe we deserve to host is irrelevant because we are hosting. So let's put all that nonsense behind us and let's get behind this team. All year long, the hope was is that we were going to be able to host a regional, host a super regional and get to Omaha. And when you look at our draw, there's no reason to think that we can't do that. I love the fact that we're paired up with Notre Dame. I think that is absolutely beautiful. They're a good team. I just don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're a tested team. And I think they're going to come down here with a chip on their shoulder because they're going to feel like they got slighted and say, hey, we should have been a top eight national seed and not Mississippi State. Here's our chance to prove it. So we're going to need all hands on deck. And you know what? Before we even get to that, we got to take care of these three teams that are down here this weekend. I think this team has taught us we can't ever take anything for granted. We can't ever go out there and say, okay, we just show up and play. We're not good enough to do that. We're not good enough to just show up and roll out the baseball and go play. We've got to prepare. We've got to practice hard. We've got to be focused. got to be engaged. And I think perhaps the fact that we got embarrassed last week will probably help us refocus. Now it's win or go home. The SEC tournament's completely different, you know, because you know you're going to live to fight another day. It's a different deal now. And for many of our young players, it's the first time they face this kind of pressure. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I'm excited. I know you're excited as well. It's a relief that we're a top eight national seed, even though I felt like we deserved it. It's one of those things you begin to kind of worry about it. And then when I sat down and I actually did the math and looked at the numbers myself, all of a sudden I was like, hey, we're absolutely going to be a top eight national seed. We absolutely are. It makes perfect sense that we would be. Why would we not be? Oh, but Hoover, no. Again, you look at the full body of work, and I think the committee did a great job. I think the bracket is near perfect, to be honest with you. I was glad to see some guys get in, and we're going we're to break that down a little bit later here in the show. Uh, before we do, let's talk top ten list brought to you by johnnypacker.com. And here's the deal, too, guys. There are some Starkville frames in the store, and so here's what Brandon and John are going to do. They're going to go ahead and order some additional stock for those Starkville frames because we're going to push those on you. Go to johnnypacker.com today. You need sunglasses. Guys, I wear mine everywhere. I even wear mine at night sometimes because it's just easier on my eyes. And so get some sunglasses. The sun is bright. You're going to be outdoors a lot, whether you be fishing or going to ball games or working in the yard. Treat yourself to some new sunglasses. Go to johnnypacker.com, and you'll get the California style with some golden triangle flair. And, again, all these frames are named after Mississippi towns. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little money. Use promo code BONEYARD, and you get 10% off. And one of the best things about doing business with these guys is that a portion of your purchase will be donated to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And how cool is that? You get great product. It's going to fit your face. not going to pinch your nose. It's going to make you look good. We all need more of that. You're going to be supporting Bulldogs. At the same time, too, you're going to be supporting a great cause. I mean, it's a win-win-win. That's johnnypacker.com, sponsor of the Top Ten List. I couldn't believe we haven't done this one. And I reached out to Roy, 
and what, what we're going to do weekly is we're going to have, uh, you know, of the, the, the suggestion you guys send, Roy's going to pick one, I'm going to pick one, and then uh, on Friday, I guess we'll kind of have a consensus what we want to do. But Roy's going to get one pick a week because Roy sometimes is like, hey, you, you need to do more of this, you need to do more of that. And so I'm going to let Roy have a little more influence on the top ten selections. Now, I sent him my top ten list today, this morning, as I prepared for the selection show. And uh, this is not a band he is as nearly as familiar with, even though they are one of the biggest bands in the world in rock music these days. And there are many people that say that I could be kind of a doppelganger for the singer Jonathan Davis, but it's the rock band at Korn. Many of you think, Steve, there's a band called Korn? Yes, there is. There is a band called Korn, and they are tremendous. So I struggled with the top ten list, and so I've got several 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 honorable mentions but i love corn uh i don't necessarily have dreads because of them but i I do like the fact that we all have dreads with the exception of ray the drummer but uh sometimes when i go to festivals and shows i just want to have a shirt that says not the dude from corn because the drunker people get the more i look like the one of the dudes from corn and so i don't know if people want to take a picture because they know me from flim flam or mississippi state or they think i'm one of the dudes from corn it does benefit me sometimes, too, when I go to shows, though, because, you know, I can just walk backstage and nobody says anything. All right, so here are the honorable mentions from Korn. Uh, one of my favorites, and I almost put this on the list, but there's so many great hits I couldn't do it, but it's Love and Meth. Love and Meth off the Paradigm Shift. Uh, going back to the beginning, Shoots and Ladders and Blind, Alone I Break, Right Now, that almost made the list, too. Adidas, that is uh, not a kid-friendly song. Twisted Transistor, that's one of those, I love it, but Head wasn't with the band then, Brian Head Welch, of course, and um, so I struggled with that. Uh, Pray For Me is the uh, lead track on the Paradigm Shift, that's the first album after Brian Head Welch rejoined the band. Uh, Black Is The Soul and You'll Never Find Me, those are your honorable mentions. That's almost a top ten list in and of itself. But here are your top tens, and I think... I really feel good about these 10. Number 10 is uh, Make Me Bad, which is a crazy video. But I, I love the guitar on this. I love all the weird stuff that, that Monkey and, and Head do that nobody else does. Like they, It's just got this eerie sound at times. Number 9, Riding in Vain. And uh, Jonathan kind of goes back to a little bit of the scatting stuff that he does. He does it on this one. And he does that to kind of verbalize what he thinks vocals and lyrics should sound like before he figures out the lyrics. Number eight, man, this goes back a ways. This is a classic here. It's somebody, someone. And I love the fact that he uses his falsetto on this. It's great. Number seven, there are times in my life when people ask me, you know, what would be my walkout song if I was a professional wrestler? And this is, this is one of the picks, but it's here to stay. Love that track. I love the aggressiveness of the song. I like how in your face it is. Number six, Off the Path of Totality. It's a much different album for Korn. Had Skrillex and some other people that kind of, it was kind of some dubstep type stuff. But some of that stuff is great. Some of it is, uh, okay. But there was one absolute banger that when I put it on my car, I, I, just, I, I just think that my car is going to lift off. And it's Narcissistic Cannibal. 
That is one of the greatest songs in the Corn catalog. And even though it is much different than the rest of the, the catalog, I absolutely love that song. Number five, Coming Undone. They actually did a remix, a mashup with the Franchise Boys with Lean With It, Rock With It. If you can find that online, you can maybe find it on iTunes. It's pretty cool. But Coming Undone is a great tune. And there's a lot of that in Jonathan's music. You know, Jonathan's a guy that's had a lot of trouble. And uh, he kind of processes his pain through music. Number four, I love the opening riff here. It is, to me, one of Monkey's shining moments in the band Corn. And uh, it's a bit of a personal song for me. I, this is one of those ones that I really get excited about when it comes on. It's Dead My Time. It's one of those things like, you know what, I've made some mistakes and I've had all these problems in life, but you know what, I put that stuff behind me. I have paid the price for that, and I refuse to live the rest of my life without hanging over me. Number three, and I'm, this video used to be on TV all the time. I absolutely love this track. I love the bass line. I think it's one of Phil D's shining moments, but it's got the life. Lyrically, it's a little bit everywhere. You know, it's a little bit disjointed, but... The chorus on this thing just absolutely explodes. Number two, I think these top two, I think everybody would probably agree these are top two. Number two is Falling Away From Me. The video is phenomenal. The vocal delivery is phenomenal. And the layered guitar sound on this thing is just absolutely out of this world. I think this is one of those songs that, that took Corn from being, hey, they're a pretty cool band, to being a headliner. This is just this song, it's just one of those ones I think everybody knew. And uh, I think Jonathan is at his best on this one. But number one, what else could it be? It's the signature song, right? And I guess if I'm using Roy's logic, it would be Word Up from Cameo, because it's a cover, right, Roy? I'm just joking. I, Roy was... <laughs> we had some fun with the Whitney Houston list last week that that didn't include I Will Always Love You, not her song. So, love you, Roy. But number one is uh, Freak on a Leash. And sometimes that's how I feel. But I love everything about it. And when I was coaching high school baseball, I had a couple of kids that uh, rode to ball games with me sometimes. And one of, those, one of those kids, amazingly to me, he was a straight rap guy. The next thing I know, he steps in the batter's box, and he's got Freak on a Leash as his uh, walkout song. And he got a couple of hits. He stuck with it the rest of the year. So, Freak on a Leash to me is uh, – it's an iconic song. I think it really kind of, when I look back at that time in music, the song still holds up, but that just kind of stood apart. It was one of those great songs where then, you know, a time in music where there was a bit of a transition and there was all this, you know, they called it new metal and a lot of people have distanced themselves from that. And really, I think if you look at Korn, you know, Korn's the only one that's really kind of transcended that. A lot of those bands like Limb Biscuit have kind of gone by the wayside. But, uh, you know, Korn, to me, for this generation is one of, if not the best band, uh, you know, for young people. And, and there's a lot, maybe a lot of it's too because of the, the addiction aspect of it too. But I just think Corn is just, they're in a class by themselves. And so I don't think that there is a genre that really defines them. I went and saw Corn here a couple of years ago and I guess life was peachy. Was uh, They were celebrating an anniversary for that. And he goes, you know, I didn't think people listen to hard music anymore. Well, we do. All right, let's get to the next segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show, man. And listen, they will treat you like family because you are family. You're looking for the latest, greatest information and merchandising 
from Mississippi State. You're going to find it right there at campusbookmart.net. They keep you up to date. They already have your NCAA regional shirts ready to roll. Go ahead and order today. Go ahead and get it done or go buy and pick them up. The regionals, the, the, all that stuff was prepared. Miss Kathy Brown does a good job getting all that stuff ready to go. Go by and check them out or get it ordered today. They'll, they'll turn that order around for you very, very quickly. And you're probably going to want more than one of them. So let me give you a promo code to save you a little cash. That promo code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And everybody in the family needs a regional shirt. No excuses. Get it done. Campusbookmart.net. Let's look at the NCAA tournament field now. Okay, so let's jump right into this thing. It's, uh, you know, of course, the 16 regional hosts announced uh, Sunday evening, seven of the 16 from the SEC. That's about right. You know, we could make an argument, South Carolina probably a little less deserving than some other schools. But, you know, when you, when you limit yourself to 20 because of the NCAA COVID testing protocols, you're going to have some people that get in that may be, uh, may be a little bit flimsy. So let's look at this bracket. One of the best things about our, our draw as being number seven is we wouldn't see Arkansas until the national championship final series. If we both are able to advance, that's when we would see them. So we won't run into them or Vanderbilt before the finals. Okay, so Arkansas, they have, uh, you know, what is it, New Jersey Tech, Nebraska, and Northeastern. I like it. I do. I think Arkansas deserves to have an easier path because they have proven it. And read yesterday, too, I guess NJIT is their first trip to the uh, college baseball tournament. They're the number four with a 26-22 record. Nebraska is the two. Northeastern is the three. There were some people that thought Nebraska and the Big Ten might play their way into some bigger things. I'm eager to see what the Big Ten does in this tournament. They have not had a good year. And I know some people say, well, they didn't do this. It is what it is. So Arkansas is paired up with the Louisiana Tech Regional, which I think is absolutely saucy. You remember early in the year, Louisiana Tech hosted Arkansas, and uh, Tech won a game and uh, could have won two. And so I, I, if I'm Arkansas, I'm thinking, you know what, they, they could have given me a little more with solid here. Paired up with Louisiana Tech, uh, Lane Burroughs will have his group ready to roll. They're hosting a regional in Ruston for the first time. So Louisiana Tech will play Ryder in game one and then Alabama into the field. I, I expected them to be there. This is a great regional, though. NC State is the two. So the Tide and the Wolfpack will, uh, will play in game two uh, there on Friday. Stanford, some people expected them to potentially be in the top eight national seed. Uh, they weren't. They shouldn't have been. I didn't understand the allure. Everybody's like, well, they, don't, they didn't lose a series. They did. They lost one to Cal. But they just kind of in the middle of the road, man. So Stanford wins two out of three over the weekend against Oregon State. Oregon State takes game three. And for some reason, that proved to kind of get people off the Cardinal bandwagon. They're going to play North Dakota State in a one versus fourth thing, North Dakota State, 41 and 17 this year. That is ridiculous. That's a lot of wins. And then UC Irvine is the two. And I like the Anteaters, man. I do. Love those guys. And then Nevada, the three. So I don't think Stanford got a cake of a regional by any stretch. I think those guys are really going to have to play well. I won't be the least bit surprised if they don't make it out. Stanford paired up with Texas Tech. And of course, that is a, um, 
eight versus nine deal. So Texas Tech will play Army, and then they get UCLA and North Carolina. It's like they stacked all these Power Five teams in this Tech regional. I mean, it's this is a really, really difficult regional. And you can say, well, you know, North Carolina's been up and down this year, and they have at 27-25, but they have some talent. And North Carolina traditionally recruits exceptionally well. So Tech, of the top eight national seeds, Mike could argue that they had the toughest draw, and you should at number eight. But to get two power fives in your regional, uh, that's, that's interesting. Arizona, really good chance for those guys to get to Omaha. They have a really, really good path. They also have uh, some difficult teams coming in for the regional. They get Grand Canyon as a four. Oklahoma State is a two. Oklahoma State, of course, advanced to the Big 12 championship game over the weekend. Just 500 in their league, but that should be something Arizona should handle. And then UC Santa Barbara, kind of one of those college baseball hipster favorite teams. You know what I mean? They, they always seem to be in the discussion. And they're capable of winning a game or two in this regional. They're paired up with Ole Miss. And uh, you could hear the gnashing of teeth. I guess, I guess Ole Miss expected to be paired up with Wesley College or something. But uh, number one, Ole Miss will get number two, Southern Miss. And let me point out, too, that Southern Miss finished behind Louisiana Tech. And in the regular season, they finished behind Charlotte. And so you could make an argument Southern Miss is basically the third-best team in Coosa. And they're headed to Ole Miss. And then Florida State's headed down there. Florida State is 30 and 22 this year. And again, you know, the ACC, kind of an adventure. I, I, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't see the problem with this bracket like some other people do. Because I think people are like, well, Southern Miss will have it out for Ole Miss. Well, Southern Miss was going to have it out for anybody. I mean, they're, they're a program under Scott Barry that's going to play it tough. And they're going to go out there and expect to win. They always have a chip on their shoulder. Very blue-collar, hard-nosed program. So they were going to be a challenge for anybody. And then Florida State, I think people are worried more about their reputation. They have not had a good year. They've been decent. They have not had some year. So I think people are thinking, well, Florida State, you know, they're going to have talent. And I'll tell you something else, too. I wouldn't sleep on Southeast Missouri State either. I don't expect them to win down there, but they're, they're going to have – they've got a couple of pitchers that are going to make life a little interesting down there, too. Uh, I do think Ole Miss could lose this regional. I don't see them getting by Arizona if they play in a super. They'll have to go out west. I could see Ole Miss losing in Oxford this weekend. I know that's that's a big shock uh, considering their history. But uh, if memory serves me correct, well, they won one regional since 14. Is that right? They went to Omaha in 14, and they played in supers against Arkansas here a couple years ago. And then they've lost. I think that's right. So ECU, uh, they have their regional. They have Charlotte in there, and I really like that. I think that's going to be awfully interesting. Maryland gets in as a three at 28 and 16, and then Norfolk State uh, winners of their conference with a 25-26 record, one of the only teams uh, in the field with a sub-500 record. So ECU, while they should get through the first game, you know, Maryland or Charlotte one are both capable of, of making this thing interesting. I, I could see that thing – uh, going four games. They're paired up with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt gets uh, Prez, the Blue Hose. We talk about them a lot on the show as a four. And then Indiana State, who I think is a dangerous three, man. They, there was a time they were in a top 20 in the RPI. They, they went, they took Dallas Baptist to the brink uh, in their conference tournament. 
and uh, probably could have won the thing, but Dallas Baptist finds a way to figure that thing out. Georgia Tech in there is a two. You know, you look at Vanderbilt, and you say, okay, Georgia Tech is probably good enough to win a game. Could they win two out of three against Vandy? I don't think so. Indiana State's probably good enough to win a game. So I think Vandy will advance here, but I won't be surprised if Vandy takes a loss somewhere along the way because, you know, Vandy is really more built more for a super regional. You throw rocker and lighter and call it a day. Well, if you have to play four games, you kind of get into the depth of that pitching staff and it becomes kind of an equalizer. You know, listen, everybody else is having to do the same thing. But if Vandy drops one of the first couple of ball games and has to get deep in their pitching staff, that could be awfully interesting. That could be awfully, awfully interesting. On the other side of the bracket and uh, the team that the bracket that we would be in, should we make it to Omaha? Texas is the overall two seed. So Texas will host Southern U. I am happy to see this. You guys have heard me talk about it on the show more than once. I like it when the kids from the SWAT get a chance to go take a trip instead of always having to go to Louisiana or Mississippi. So they're going to get a chance to go to Austin, Texas, which is a fine college town. They're not going to win, but they're going to have a great experience. And so wish the Jags the best. And then uh, Fairfield is in there with Arizona State. And so I look at this and I think, okay, well, Southern, you know, Southern is probably the weakest team in the tournament because their RPI is, well, like 226, something ridiculous like that, maybe in the 260s. And then Fairfield, a team that had this ridiculous RPI all along, these guys are used to winning. And then now they get a chance to legitimize themselves by playing you know, a, a national power like Arizona State and potentially Texas. I don't think for any second they're going to go down there and win, but I think this is a very interesting bracket. And I do think Arizona State is probably a team some people have slept on just a little bit, kind of inconsistent at times with their pitching. But I think Arizona State's a team capable of at least going in there and making Texas sweat a little bit. They're paired up with Florida, the Florida Regional, this thing is loaded, man. <laughs> so Florida, you know, you begin to look at this thing with Florida. People forget Florida opened up their brand-new ballpark this year and brought in Miami for a great series to open it, and, and Miami went up there and swept them. And now they got to face them as a number two in their regional. So Florida could open and end the season at the hands of the Hurricanes. I, I Listen, I, I can almost talk myself into it today. I could see Miami winning this regional. South Florida is the four, and then South Alabama is the three. But at the end, the end, this is going to be basically what boils down between Miami and Florida. Uh, you know, Florida obviously played pretty well last week, but um, Miami is capable of beating them. And it's the whole mental aspect of this thing, too. When you've beaten somebody, you can be confident, and sometimes potentially overconfident. If you've lost to somebody, you can begin to think, you know what, maybe they're just better than us. But you think, too, maybe we've got something to prove. So that is interesting to me. I also could see the winner of this thing taking out Texas. I really could. I think the winner of the Gainesville Regional could very easily advance to Omaha, whether it be Miami or Florida. Got a lot of talent. Okay, so Notre Dame, you know, they're opposite us. We've already broke down our bracket. So let's just look at Notre Dame. Notre Dame will host the Central Michigan Chippewas, who are 40 and 16 and might be a little bit underseeded as a four. And, you know, they try to avoid, uh, you know, previous opponents. That wasn't the case here. So Central Michigan gets in, UConn gets in, and there was a talk at one point early in the year, some people thought UConn 
might play their way into a hosting opportunity. And then, you know, things change. But uh, if I memory serves me correct, they're the champions of the Big East. And then Michigan, you know, Michigan gets in. And so I think Notre Dame is going to be tested. I, I could see them losing this regional. I absolutely could. As much as I would love to see them come down here and have Mississippi State uh, beat them, you know, this is going to be a real challenge. There, there is not an easy game in this bracket for anybody. Central Michigan, as you guys know, when they came down here, they beat Miami. People forget that. It's like, oh, well, I remember we played them. Yeah, we did. We played them in a winner's bracket game because they upset Miami. And you remember how good Miami was. And so this Central Michigan team is not going to be the least bit scared to go into South Bend, especially having already played them. And then you get Michigan, a team that uh, has had some, some really positive experiences here in the last couple of years. Remember, just two years ago, they played for a national championship against Vanderbilt. And then you've got a team like UConn coming in there that's used to winning too. Let's just go ahead and say it. Notre Dame's probably going to get upset. I don't know if I'm ready to go all the way with it, but I will be impressed if Notre Dame survives this regional. I really will be. And, of course, you know ours there. And so if, if we make it to Omaha, our bracket on our side, the upper half, we would, our first opponent would be, you know, the winner of the Texas-Florida deal. So we could potentially play Texas or Florida if we make it to Omaha. The bottom half of our bracket in Omaha, uh, TCU, and I would love to play those guys again because I, I think we all agree we let them off the hook, part of the deal. They get McNeese State, good for the Cowboys. Then Dallas Baptist is a three, Oregon State is a two. Again, I don't think TCU got any favors here. I don't think this is a cakewalk region at all. Oregon State, of course, Case isn't there anymore, but Oregon State is a team that's capable of winning a game or two down here. And Dallas Baptist, even though they're a three, you know, this is a team that has won their league. They've won a bunch of ball games. And I, to be honest with you, I think TCU is flimsy. And, and listen, you guys know the last three weekends of the regular season, TCU lost. They lost a series to UL Monroe. And so when you think about UL Monroe compared to these teams that are kind of like, you know, McNeese, you know, that's a team that's used to winning too. And so I don't think they'll beat TCU, but I think they can go in there and stress those guys a little bit. And I, and I would not be the least bit surprised if TCU got upset in this regional, not the least. Old Dominion, a traveling one there in Columbia, they will play Jacksonville, who is 16 and 32. That's the uh, former fighting Scotty DeBrules there. They win their conference tournament. So that'll be interesting. But uh, you got to think Old Dominion should be able to handle that. And then you got UVA and South Carolina as a two and three. You know, outside of Jacksonville, this is one of those, man, if you're a fan of college baseball, you watch this thing think, you know what, we're going to see some really good baseball games. I don't think Old Dominion makes it out of there, just so you know. I, I just don't. I think South Carolina, even though they're 33-21, and 21, I think they found some things down the stretch. Yes, they went one and out in Hoover. But I think they have found some things pitching-wise down the stretch. And when you haven't seen a lot of SEC pitching, it makes it awfully difficult. And, of course, UVA made some, some noise there in the ACC tournament. Bottom half of this bracket, uh, Oregon will open up against Central Connecticut State. That should be a laugher. And then LSU gets in, and they will play Gonzaga. 
that's a really, really interesting matchup. Of course, Gonzaga was in line to host, and then they faded down the stretch and lost that series to San Diego. It cost them a hosting opportunity, and it kind of opened the door uh, for some others. So LSU gets in. Is it a sentimental pick? Maybe. And maybe by Paul Maneri announcing his retirement prior to the selection show, maybe that got some love in the room for him. But we all knew that he was retiring, or we believed he was retiring this year. And so now it's official. He'll get one more run. I don't think LSU is going to advance. I don't think that they can win this regional. But, uh, hey, you know what? I'm okay with it if they could find a way to do it. The bottom half, the final bracket in, on this side of things in that final quadrant, Tennessee, they get Duke. And that is, again, again you know, I think Duke is a really strong number two. And for them to go to Tennessee, it's just it's one of those things I look at. And I said, you know what, this is – I don't know, but I think Duke is capable of beating Tennessee a game. Uh, Wright stayed in the tournament, Liberty there at the three. I think this, again, this boils down to Tennessee and Duke. But, you know, I like the bracket. I mean, there are a few things here and there, and you say, well, this, this, this team's probably a little bit underseeded. This one's overseeded. I think they used just enough geography that it made sense, but not so dependent on it where you, you stacked one, you know, one bracket over another. I think it's pretty well balanced. And, again, I like Mississippi State's draw. For those of you that maybe haven't kept up, here are your top 16 national seeds. Arkansas, one. Texas, two. Tennessee, three. Vanderbilt, four. Arizona, five. TCU, six. Mississippi State, seven. Texas Tech, eight. All of those teams will have the ability to host a regional and a super regional provided they advance. Number nine, Stanford, 10, Notre Dame, 11, Old Dominion, 12, Ole Miss, 13, East Carolina, 14, Oregon, 15, Florida, 16, Louisiana Tech. And one of the things, too, I love the um, I love the false bravado by some of the Ole Miss media that were saying, oh, man, I would love to get paired up with Mississippi State. That's among the dumbest things I've ever heard. We would absolutely have loved that. You know, we're all speaking hypothetically now. Guys, we have won 16 of the last 19, including the series this year. We would love the, the mental aspect of that thing. Are you kidding me? Not to mention, could you imagine the stands? Oh, my goodness. Now, we, that would be one of the greatest attended sporting events the state's ever seen. And we would win. And then we would go to Omaha. So be grateful, Rebels, that you're not coming to Starkville to see your daddy. Because we would have had to take our belt off and whoop your fannies again. All right, let's talk a little bit about Portico. You guys know, you know Portico is, uh, is one of these deals, man. We've talked about it for so long on the show. I feel like people probably have a pretty good working knowledge of what to expect. But, uh, you know, listen, Brooks Bryan is the guy that played baseball at Mississippi State, robbed a home run against Washington to send us to Omaha. I mean, he's a great guy. He's committed to Mississippi State. He's committed to this community. And so Brooks is one of the developers of this new residential development that everybody's talking about, Portico. Easy to find, right off of 82, right when you turn on 12 to go towards campus. It's going to be right there to your right. You turn on Garrett Road, the very first right, and that's going to take you to Portico. Houses of all sizes, two-bedroom, two-bath, four-bedroom, four-bath. So if it's your primary residence, they got you covered. If it's an investment property, they got you handled. If it's just your weekend getaway and a chance to come up here and stay and be kind of invested in this community, they can do that for you too. Going to be 51 houses total in this complex. Phase one is done. I think there's two houses left. So if you're looking to move soon, 
you need to at least give these guys an opportunity to give you some information. You know, there are a lot of people that will say, hey, you need to be out here on South Montgomery. And all due respect to the people that live on South Montgomery, having to drive that traffic every day would drive me insane. I mean, it's like there's not much traffic in Starkville except when the kids come back. But South oh. Montgomery is always busy, always. And then there's all these crazy turns. And so if I could live right out there like a mile from campus, which is exactly where you'd be at Portico, there's not hardly any traffic out there on Old West Point Road. To me, that's the way to go. So if you don't know a lot about Starkville, everybody's going to tell you, hey, go, go look at South Montgomery. Listen, I looked and this wasn't for me. A lot of nice houses. A lot of my friends live down there. But I would much rather, because I'm, I'm a person that values my time, I would much rather be able to live right out there with easy access to 82 and 25 and 12 and not have to fight through all that stuff. Get more information yourself by calling Brooks Bryan, your friend, my friend, Mississippi State's friend, Brooks Bryan. He probably got some good stories about Richard Lee and Chris Lauderhouse, too. I'm sure he'll tell you. Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. You know, I want to spend a little time here and uh, kind of talk about a few things. And I'm not going to get all preachy and things like that. I get accused of that sometimes, and maybe it's true. But it is Memorial Day, and... I have had several friends that have served in armed forces, and thankfully, they all returned home uh, in good health, mentally and physically, and uh, emotionally. You know, that, that PTSD is a very serious thing. When I was a kid, every year on Memorial Day and then on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, December 7th, my Uncle Alice would get a phone call, and he would be on the radio every year and talked about Memorial Day, talked about the attack at Pearl Harbor. If, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember which ship he was on, but uh, I don't know if it was Arizona maybe. But anyway, so Uncle Alice, and he was much older than me, obviously. He was my, he's my stepdad's uncle. So there's no blood relation, but, uh, you know, in our family, you know how it is. It's, uh, you know, yours, mine, and ours. But, um, but he would always speak about the attack at Pearl Harbor. And they were having to abandon ship because, you know, the kamikaze planes were coming in and and the ship was going down. And he and his best friend both jumped at the same time. Well, my Uncle Alice lived and his best friend didn't. And so as a result, I've always grown up with a really, I guess, a somber understanding of what Memorial Day means. Is there are so many people out there that are doing a job that I don't want to do. And they do it willingly. They choose this life to go represent all of us. And I have so much respect for our military families, not just you know the men and women that, that are out there in harm's way, but the families back home. Because they're sacrificing too. And so there is a probably, there's an anxiety that we probably cannot fully comprehend because we don't live with that fear of not talking to our loved ones for extended periods of time. Maybe they're in a forward area and there's no com- communication or contact. And you never know when you're going to get a phone call or somebody's going to show up at your house. There's always that fear. And I'm sure at some point you kind of come to grips with it. And you say, hey, everything's okay. They're going to do this. But none of us are living lives and working jobs where people are trying to kill us. And to me, that's one of the things that kind of hits home to me is, you know, any of our people in the service, 
at any point, their lives could be terminated, but they'd go and do it anyway. And I've had so many friends that have talked about, uh, you know, when they went and fought in, at, uh, in Iraq, you know, during uh, Desert Storm, you know, they had some friends that got injured. They had some friends that got killed. And it makes you kind of recognize that uh, this is not an easy undertaking. And so I know it's about, you know, barbecue ribs for a lot of people. And, you know, it's an extra day off. We get to sleep late and that sort of stuff. But um, I just think it's important to always remember there are a lot of people out there doing jobs that we don't want to do and doing them well to keep us safe so we can shoot fireworks and we can have uh, barbecue dinners and, and swimming parties and all that sort of stuff and have a free day off work. But let's not forget that, though. Let's not forget who we're honoring and the sacrifice uh, that they have because I know as uh, my uncle Ellis would speak on the radio most years it would bring him to tears all those years later he was a grown man he was an elderly man but as he would begin to to discuss that and talk about the loss of his friend he just about always got emotional because those are bonds that those there's a bond of brotherhood there and sisterhood that I think most of us never really appreciate and the fact that it meant so much to him so many years later, I think it really shows how important it is to honor the memory of our fallen. And there are so many out there. I've, I've, I've inherited some new friends here as of late that, um, you know, that lost a friend in, in service uh, during a training exercise. And so, so it's not as simple as, okay, well, well, we don't have to worry so much about our soldier because, you know, they're stateside or they're, you know, they're over in you know, Egypt or whatever. And they're, you know, they're guarding an oil well or something. Nothing is ever promised. Nothing you can take anything for granted. And so, again, I have so much respect for you military folks and your families. I always have, always will. And uh, I get so many people from time to time, you military guys, man, you, I get chills thinking about this stuff. I get a message from somebody in the military, and they'll say, you know what, Steve, thanks so much for doing the show. And they love the longer shows. <laughs> um, said, hey, it's nice to have a little piece of home. And it gets to me, it really does, because it's like when you think about the fact that these people are over there and that they can't come to Duty Noble Field and watch us play baseball. And chances are they can't catch it on TV. You know, maybe when they're you know, somewhere, when they have an opportunity to watch the replay, they can. But it's like there's so much that we take for granted that they provide for us. And so I will always be a person that has a tremendous amount of respect for our military uh, and for those that love them. And every time I see those videos, there was one here recently that, that uh, I guess it was out of Meridian, maybe in Philadelphia, I can't remember which, but, um, you know, we had a guy come home and surprise his kid in school. And, and I'll be honest with you, most of the times when I see that stuff, it brings me to tears because I'm so grateful. You know, my kids can see me whenever they want, and I can see them pretty much whenever I want. But when I see those videos and you see how much those kids miss their parents, and they don't, maybe they don't understand, you know, why they're gone. But their parents are superheroes. And when we sit around and, and we talk about these kind of things, it's easy to forget that sometimes. It's kind of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. Oh, the, the government will take care of it. And it's not just a nameless, faceless party out there, you know, in, in a uniform. I mean, these are our neighbors. These are people we went to school with. These are people that we grew up with. And there are some people back here down the road from us that are missing them like crazy. And so I hope all of our Mississippi State military families are safe from harm today. And I hope that we're never 
having a Memorial Day celebration for you. I hope it's a Veterans Day celebration. I hope it's a birthday celebration or a Christmas celebration. And I hope pretty soon it's going to be an Omaha College World Series celebration. So uh, I wanted to share that with you guys, too, because it's on my heart. And uh, I know many of you probably feel exactly the same way. But uh, I always get a little bit sentimental when it comes to Memorial Day. I really do. I mean, I'm, I'm not, we're not cooking out here. I mean, you know, I'm, we're working. And uh, I think about all those people around the globe that are in harm's way so we can do this. So before I get out of here, too, I want to remind you guys, we're about a week away from the release of Blooms of Oleander. You can pre-order at barnesandnoble.com, at booksamillion.com, amazon.com. It's put in Steve Robertson, Blooms of Oleander. It's about 100 pages. It's my first book of poetry. I'm really excited about it. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with it, you can go read up on it. Uh, but uh, you, know, you can pre-order, and then they will ship it to you once it's released. And as, again, that's June 7th. June 7th is a release date. We're going to have a release uh, party downtown at Book Martin Cafe here soon. I don't have all details for that just yet, but I will share that with you when we can. And then we'll, uh, you know, we'll do some signings around here. I'm in discussions with Lemuria and other places about when that's all going to take place. And so excited about it, to say the least, and uh, eager for you guys to read it. And, uh, you know, sharing some, you know, a different side of me with all of you guys and a different, you know, a different genre for me, too. So I don't know how it's going to go, but I've never been one that's been afraid to put myself out there to be judged. I don't care about that kind of stuff. I, I write things for me, and I think things that will be helpful to other people. And so I look forward to you guys uh, providing your feedback. You won't hurt my feelings either way. Uh, also, if you're looking for my other books, you can find them at alphadogsthebook.com. You can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And Father's Day is coming up, and you know your dad needs that reading material. Every time I go somewhere, people say, hey, Steve, I've got Flim Flam, I've got Alpha Dogs. And I said, well, then you need Stark Villains. And, well, I've got Stark Villains, and I've got Alpha Dogs, then you need Flim Flam. So go ahead and complete your dad or your mom's Steve Robertson trilogy by ordering the book today. Go to, again, alphadogsthebook.com, and I'll be happy to personalize it. They they get with me, and I go over and sign books as needed, sometimes once, twice a week. But uh, it's a great gift. And I've had so many people that have reached out, and it's I, I, get, I get emotional about this stuff, too. Like, I got a message last night, a guy that had finished reading Flim Flam last week and then went ahead and knocked out Alpha Dogs, and it's like, you man, I hope you keep writing. Well, I am. I'm, this is who I am now. And so we're working on some things. As a matter of fact, I'm having lunch tomorrow with my agent. We're going to kind of lay some... You know, work on the five-year plan. You know, it's always changing. And uh, But one thing's for sure is you can expect me to stack these books up, and I hope you guys enjoy them. And there's some other things I can't talk about still. Still working on some things, and uh, I'll share that information with you when, when we can. I, I'm eager, too. I'm eager to get that stuff uh, out there, and you guys uh, have a chance to, to have it. But there are some cool things that are still we're still working on. But right now, my focus is uh, Mississippi State baseball. I'm excited about next weekend. Um, so it's this weekend, I guess today's Monday. So Friday we'll be out there and we'll be getting ready to roll. And so we'll have the regional, then we'll have book release and then we'll have super regional. And so I don't know if we do something, you know, um, in connection with baseball next weekend, hopefully we're still playing baseball next weekend. There's no guarantees, but hopefully we'll be able to do something, you know, and you guys were in town and I'll go sign some books for you guys, uh, down at Bookmark cafe. So, Let's get ready to get out of here. I know that uh, many of you are, 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 you know, the show is later in the day, and I told you guys on Friday I was going to wait until the selection show was over 
because I didn't want to speculate and then have to turn around on Wednesday and break down stuff when it was already stale. And so uh, I like the field. I like who we're playing. And I like talking to Tanner Allen today. I like where our head is. But like all of you, listen, this team sometimes has been, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. Or sometimes you think, hey, we're going to go out here and just run through Missouri, and then we don't. And then you think, hey, we're going to go to South Carolina and lose a series, and then we don't. You know, but more times than not, this team has met expectations, right? You know, beginning of the year, we talked about how LSU State was better than LSU and we should win that series, and then we did. And then we felt like we were good enough to compete with Arkansas, and then we didn't. And so that was a bit of a surprise to us. We were hoping to at least get one. And had we gotten one, we'd be co-SEC champions. You know, we, we, had, we needed to go on the road and sweep Auburn. We did. We needed to sweep A&M at home. We did. We needed to at least get one at Vanderbilt. We did. Probably should have got two. You know, but by and large, we've met expectations with rare exception. You know, the Missouri thing still kind of stands out. It's an anomaly, more so than the rule. And I think it's a valuable lesson learned from that. And listen, I understand how bad it stung to see us get destroyed in Hoover last week. You know, I felt the same way as you guys do. I mean, it's a job for me, but it's also a passion for me. And it's so much easier when the team is winning and doing well. You know, when they get beat, I share in the same, the same uh, you know, pain and discomfort you guys do. And when they win, I share in the same jubilation. And so, and I'm there trying to be your man on the scene. But when we don't play well, it stinks. And I know that's what everybody's wondering. Which Mississippi State team is going to show up this weekend? Which team's going to show up? Is it going to be the team that took Missouri for granted and got beat? Is it going to be the team that went to Alabama and won a road series when they absolutely had to? Or, goodness, could it be the SEC tournament Bulldogs? Are, have we been exposed? Have people figured us out? You know, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, I know some people have said, hey, well, maybe they had our signals. You know, there's been a lot of talk about that throughout the year, about the Arkansas series. And I know there's some Arkansas people that get offended when you say that. Hey, listen, stealing signs is part of baseball. If you got them and we don't change them, it's on us. You know, so, you know, good on you for getting it done. But the reality of it is, is that uh, we are a great baseball team. We are an elite baseball program. And we're hosting a regional, and and we're top seven national seed. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and pat myself on the back and say I told you so, but I, I'll share with you, I really believe that we have a, a clear path to Omaha. And I, think, I don't think anybody in the country can dispute that. I think we should be able to get through this regional without any trouble, and then we'll see what happens next weekend. But I'm very grateful that we're playing those games here. I'm very grateful that we have a chance for all of you to come and share with it and be a part of it. As you guys know, when we played Stanford – once that game shifted and we began to kind of pull away from them, it's like the crowd just takes over the game and envelops the team. It is so hard to come here and play well. You know, Arkansas took the crowd out of the game early. They hit all those home runs off Christian, and all of a sudden we're thinking, holy smokes, these guys are a lot better than us. And you know what they may be. But I would love to be able to try those guys on again for size and see what we've, how we've developed and, and maybe improved as a team that since then. I would love the opportunity to play them again because that would mean we're playing for a national championship. And, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if anybody can beat them twice. Nobody was able to do it in the SEC. There were a few times you look at and say, hey, they should have lost, but they didn't. They won, which is what great teams do. But then all of a sudden you begin to think, okay, well, Peyton Powell is injured and they had to pull a golf to mound this weekend and 
then Slauson gets hurt. You know, at some point, does that stuff begin to catch up with you? You know, because there's going to be a day when the pitching's not there. There's going to be a day in that big ballpark when the long ball's not there. There's going to be a day you got to get out there and play baseball and not just try to play home run derby. And so let's not get ahead of ourselves, but I would love a chance to play those guys again. But I think that, that and when we get down to the brass tacks of this whole thing, Mississippi State could not have asked for a better draw in the regional, could not have asked for a better pairing in the super regional, and certainly a better bracket once they get to Omaha. Arkansas and Vanderbilt on the other side of that. I mean, and, and let me just real quick here. The, the number ones, the top eights on the other side of this bracket from us, right? Arkansas, Texas Tech, Arizona, Vanderbilt. That's four teams. Like if, if the chalk holds, that's who would be on the other side. So we avoid all of them. We avoid – not that we'd avoid Texas Tech. We'd love to put those guys – again, we've already beaten them once. But you don't get the Pac-12 champion. You don't get Vanderbilt, who's kind of had our number. And you don't get Arkansas, who's the best team in the country, until it matters late. You look on the other side of our bracket, the number one, the national seeds, Texas, Mississippi State, TCU, and Tennessee. You know, we knew we weren't going to completely dodge everybody, but my goodness, I, I would much prefer to be on this side of the bracket than the other side. I'd also like another shot at Tennessee. Played arguably one of our worst games of the year, if not the worst game of the year. So let's go see what happens. But first things first, let's go take care of Samford. And then we'll take care of the winner of the uh, Campbell and VCU game. But, again, these are teams coming in here that uh, are used to winning. So it's not like they're going to come in here and lay down and be in awe of our stadium. That's where I think you guys come in. As Chris Amonis always says, hey, let them know. Same challenge to you. Hey, let them know. Hey, we, we love you being here, and you're welcome to some free chicken. But uh, – you know, you're going home with the loss. And so let's turn out and let's show up and be loud and proud because, again, since 1999, we have hosted five regionals. Five. We, I mean, sometimes we forget. Five. Posted two super regionals and one of both. And a lot of that's because of you guys. And so let's turn out, do a good job, and uh, kind of help bring the Bulldogs to victory. Excited about it. I'll be back with you guys on Wednesday, and we'll begin to kind of trend towards the weekend. We'll begin to kind of update some other things. Of course, there's some basketball news, and uh, you know, beginning to finalize these rosters. You got newcomers on campus for football, so we'll we'll begin to kind of break some of that down. Let you guys know where things stand on Wednesday. But uh, excited about everything right now. I mean, I mean, honestly, there were some times this spring I thought, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. There were times in the fall I thought, I don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? I feel pretty good about everything right now. You know, softball makes a regional, has a good late run. Maybe we figure some things out. Baseball now, a super regional host, number seven seed. Uh, football puts together a top 25 class, turned in the right direction there. Basketball, we, we have DJ leave, but we, we probably had the best transfer portal season of anybody in the country. A lot of excitement there. Women's basketball was abysmal last year, but all of a sudden you go out and have a great – run in a, in a transfer portal and you bring in some very talented offensive players and that was our problem last year we couldn't score so I think the direction that we're taking now I think there is some room for optimism 
And I think when you look at how Ben Howen ended the year last year, you start thinking, you know, he's got some interesting pieces to work with. You know, maybe this is a year we get back to the tournament. I think that's the expectation. we got to get in the tournament this year, and I think we have a team to do it. I'm eager to see him on the floor. I know you guys are as well. All right, we're going to wrap up today. And, again, thank you guys so much for the support all the years. Uh, if you hadn't bought a Stark Villain shirt, you can do so at StarkVillains.com. I get that report monthly, and last month was a great month. I thank you guys for that. Again, at StarkVillains.com. Uh, love to see those shirts out there in Left Field Lounge. It means a lot to me. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.